Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't find no more. I can't find no more. Army, for the second year, has won it. To the winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Welcome to episode one of Against All Enemies, the podcast. Uh, I am your host slash moderator for the podcast, Justin Mears, uh, and we are super excited to be launching this podcast as a part of the SB Nation podcast brand that is growing. They're putting resources behind growing their podcast brand for their individual sites as a part of their larger kind of podcast brand with some of the podcasts you may be familiar with, like Shutdown Fullcast and those um, that the SB Nation main site does. Uh, and we're thankful that they kind of uh, were willing to, to help us as the service academy slash military, uh, all things military coverage site for SB Nation, that they're kind of putting some, uh, some of that marketing and PR pizzazz behind our launch. And, and I think it's cool. Uh, at the same time, it's like, oh, we we don't get 10 episodes to figure it out. We got to make sure we're we're hitting it from day one. So we're excited to be here. Like I said, we're the we're the Surface Academy um, site blog against all enemies for SB Nation. We launched back in August, uh, and it's been kind of steady growth and figuring things out since then because we launched right into football season and really didn't get a chance to catch our breath during the fall trying to cover Army, Navy, and Air Force football. Uh, and since then, we've been trying to hit the spring sports and kind of just uh, look at what we can do to grow. And one of those things that we could do was a podcast. And we're really excited to not just write about Service Academy Athletics, but get to talk about them uh, every couple of weeks and hopefully bring you a good show. So like I said, Justin Mears, that's my name, 2009 Naval Academy graduate, just got out of the Navy on February 1st, still in the reserves, um, helo pilot by trade, so 10 years or so in the Navy. Um, and yeah, happy to introduce, we have, uh, one Navy, one army and one air force main contributor to the podcast. So I'm going to throw it over to our army friend first and Kayla, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah. So I am Kayla Jackson. I'm currently still in, uh, representing on the uh, enlisted side of things on the against all enemies team. I enlisted in the Florida army national guard back in 2012 when I started off college and have been in since then. I'm coming up on my, my seven-year anniversary in October, so we'll see if I can stay in uh, to make my 20 and, and get that retirement because, of course, that's the goal. Um, but, yeah, I'm an electrician by trade. Uh, just came back um, from drill actually this weekend, but always excited um, you know, to talk about Service Academy athletics and give these athletes a platform uh, to talk about what they're doing on and off the field. Um, of course, you know, with highlighting the fact that they're becoming – becoming leaders in our United States military um, afterwards. But it is interesting to kind of balance both sides of that. Like I said, coming back from drill this week, um, you know, on the range all day and super tired and shooting and all that other stuff um, and having to come back um, on Monday. Yeah, I apologize. Um, I've done it for one month and I'm already <laughs> yeah. I got it this weekend and I'm like, man. Coming up, uh, you know, to, to start all over again. So it's a tough one, but I'm glad to be here and, and give Army uh, its shout-out to make sure that we're well-represented uh, here on the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to run the PRT this time. I don't know. This is, 
Yeah, uh, so I, I, I applaud you. All right, let's uh, let's send it over to Scott, who is our Air Force guy. Yeah, my name is uh, Scott Lopez. I'm an Air Force Academy graduate, 2015. Uh, no real cool war stories to talk about or anything like that, but I do absolutely love Air Force athletics. I love writing about it, and I love talking about it. And what I really appreciate about this, if this is kind of your first time really getting into uh, what we do at Against All Enemies, I mean, I love the rawness that comes along with it, and we aren't coming necessarily from just a news perspective. It's more like opinions uh, from fans. And you, a lot of times, I think what's cool about it is that you get a different perspective from us because we're not just focusing on you know, just the kind of talking about how awesome it is that our athletes are military. We're, we're actually focusing on the sports as well, so... That's something that's really cool. And we did practice this in our first run, so now I can say it more correctly, so that way Austin doesn't blindside me. But uh, I also love talking about it because although Air Force is the younger brother, we are the more attractive and a lot cooler brother than the other Air Force, than the other service academies. <laughs> I guess that's your cue, Austin. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is one way to put it. I would say it's an improvement <laughs> in your delivery, uh, but I would still disagree. <laughs> Um, no, so I'm Austin Lantain. I'm a 2009 graduate. I was actually Justin's roommate in Annapolis. So I made the joke that I think he just wanted me as a voice here because he had to pick someone and he knew I'd say yes. Mm-hmm. I owe him a lot after all the stories he could probably tell that hopefully he won't share on this podcast. Um, I was a P3 NFO. Did that for about eight years. Just got out two years ago. And now I try to look like I served no time in the military whatsoever. Uh, that's my goal when I look out there with my beard and my, my shaggy hair and my tie-dye shirts. So uh, if you see me walking around the beach, that could very possibly be be me. Uh, beach bum by trade. Grew up a Navy fan. Grew up in a Navy town. Uh, happy to spread the love about Navy sports, but all, all service academy sports in general. Yeah, um, there are plenty of stories to tell. We'll wait until we get this thing rolling before we start introducing those, <laughs> those stories. But I'm sure some of them will come out. <laughs> Uh, but you know, one of the cool things and kind of back to what Scott mentioned, I mean, I didn't really say it in the, in the intro, but it is neat and and just unique. I think that you're not going to find another dedicated podcast or blog on SB nation brand or really any, um, out there where uh, the, the three teams that are being covered are each school's two biggest rivals. So, um, we are three rivals and hopefully that leads to some good banter, but at the same time, I know personally for me, I've grown uh, and learned a ton. And I followed Air Force and Army because they were my rivals to some degree. But, um, you know, our, our, I feel like we're, we're pretty good in that our knowledge uh, collectively of the three schools is higher than, than most because uh, we've kind of been forced to, to learn about the other schools. And I don't know about y'all, but I think, that, I think that's been a neat part of it is um, being more engaged with what's going on in Air Force and Army, even more so maybe than you know, what I already knew was going on at Navy and following, so. Yeah, it's a good way to get, I think, like, a stronger appreciation um, for the other academies and seeing what they're doing. And we've mentioned it before, and you use kind of a Navy phrase that maybe I'll butcher, but I guess rising tide raises all ships. I don't know how, yeah. if that's Pretty exactly close, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Pretty, it's, and I, I think I, that hold on, as Scott, much as the, I couldn't tell you because I was a P3 guy. Yeah. We talked about that last time. Oh, okay. Not, no real sea time there, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like if, if you are an academy grad, you have to understand that as much as we're all different and there's a rivalry, the experiences are really similar and we can relate on a lot of levels. 
there's definitely that relatability that I can really appreciate. And when you see somebody in sports, even if I'm an Air Force fan and they're from Army or Navy, uh, it's just really cool to see them excelling. So, uh, yeah. I wouldn't call myself an Army or Navy fan yet, but <laughs> no, definitely no, no. a supporter. Yeah, but, but appreciative of, of things. And and I'll go ahead and jump right into them, kind of what we got here, episode one. So uh, we're going to talk a little Army-Navy lax um, because that's a big, big matchup this weekend, 100th, 100th meeting between those two schools um, for the Star and the Star Series and, and standings in the Patriot League standings, um, getting kind of critical down to the wire for, for that. Um, but then our first guest that we're going to have on the podcast, uh, we're really, really excited and, and, and thankful that we were able to get someone of this person's caliber that's a service academy graduate, uh, professional athlete. Um, our first guest, and it's, it's awesome, guest, and it's awesome because it is Master's Week uh, in Augusta, and I'm, um, man, I have drill this weekend, so set, Sunday at Augusta yeah. is like, that's, that's something you don't mess with, and the Navy is going to mess with it. But but anyways, uh, we have none other than 2004 Naval Academy graduate and PGA Tour professional Billy Hurley III as our first guest. So you'll get to hear uh, the interview we did with Billy and some really good discussion and questions. And kind of to Scott's point, we talk about a lot of things that even though we're talking Navy to Navy, that, that kind of transcend that and apply regardless of what service academy you go to, especially if you're an uh, elite athlete, world-class athlete, as they call that program, and trying to figure out how to, to become a professional athlete while still um, serving out your, your commitment and all those sorts of things. So it's a good discussion. And then after that, we'll come back uh, and we'll talk uh, you know, a little bit about our Ike Award, uh, and then we will jump in with some shout-outs of the week from everybody, uh, and that'll probably wrap up our time. So uh, I actually said that backwards. We're going to do the Ike Award first, uh, and then we'll do Army-Navy Lacks after uh, we hear Billy's interview. So uh, so the Ike Award. Let me, let me kind of preface with what that is uh, before we get into the discussion um, with kind of what's been going on lately with that. So Army and Navy have the Star Series. Uh, it's been going on for a number of years, sponsored by USAA. They keep track of, you know, who wins between the two when they play in any sport. And, and at the end of the year, the winner of the Star Series is the team that won the most star matches covering every varsity sport between Army and Navy. Um, and we kind of thought in the beginning, hey, we're bringing Air Force, which Scott will probably get to, the whole uh, younger brother, like he said, uh, kind of mentality that they have of being left out in so many regards. And thought, how can we uh, include all three service academies and what does that look like? Um, so we decided that we would do a collective uh, look at how all three service academies play against each other. Um, but because Air Force plays Army and Navy a much fewer amount of times during the year, uh, that the best way to do that would be based on winning percentage um, because Air Force is going to have less opportunities. Um, but if they win more games, then, then they have a higher winning percentage. They'll win the Ike Award. So we've been tracking that all year. Um, and I know some, even some of our own contributors have some questions about how I've been tracking that and what that looks like, so I'll wait till they kind of ask those. But we've been tracking that, uh, and we, we decided on the Ike Award because President Eisenhower uh, kind of has a connection between all – you know, all three schools in that he was, you know, he signed into to law the bill that or whatever that created the, the Air Force Academy. Um, he's obviously a very, very famous uh, Army general, uh, followed by, you know, becoming president and then, um, you know, has a big influence on the Navy as well. And we still have an aircraft carrier uh, out there, Ike. 
Uh, and so there's connection between all three schools. We tried to find somebody that we could connect between all three, and that's what we ended up with. So the Ike Award, uh, I know everybody is super excited, right, about the Ike Award this year. For sure. Inaugural champions. Yes. So let me update you because we've been keeping track of this since August. Um, we've attended <laughs> a few events ourselves between everybody on here. Um, and we've had quite a few competitions. I don't know. I'd have to look and see how many we actually had, but I've been, we've been tracking it. We've been updating it. Um, but as of this past weekend, uh, which we added to the last post that we put up about it, um, we had Army, Navy, outdoor track, men and women this past weekend, and Navy swept both of those. One Let's star. go. Uh, after Army had, had taken the indoor um, stars from in both men and women. So I know Navy was out for vengeance and it wasn't even close. It had actually been pretty close in past years, like coming down to the four by 100 relay. Remember that one, Austin with the, I don't remember who it was. It was on the female side on the women's side, um, like, you know, diving over to the, the finish line to win, but Navy won both stars. And so our standings right now, we got air force is 12, 10 and three. So basically two games above um, 500 with three ties. Army is 17, 24, and 3, so seven games below um, 500 with those three ties with Air Force. And Navy is an even 20 and 20. That's that's how I'm feeling. I'm just saying, like, can we just talk about football? <laughs> be partial and, like, be biased to that? And that's what I was going to ask, how we going to, um, you know, counting everything and counting the wins and losses. So now that we know that neutral is just neutral or a tie is just neutral, okay. Um, I will say, though, that an update, you know, talking about I know Navy won in the USAG gymnastics team's finals, and we were waiting for the NCAA qualifiers, but Army did qualify. Army men's gymnastics did qualify, so I want to put that out there, and, of course, um, I'll have more to talk about than we do our shout-out of the week. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, lacrosse, <laughs> it's a big thing, so that's been taking a while, too. Yeah, we're no, that's, trailing that's, behind. That's a great point, yeah, so... Right. I can give you some insight on how I thought through that. And you, and once again, this can be open for discussion. This is how I've been tracking it because I've been the one doing it. It's very tedious. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, but I looked at it as we were only tracking head-to-head matchups uh, between the two schools. So uh, Patriot League Men's Track Championship, even though they're both competing, if Army finishes third okay. and Navy finishes fourth, I'm not counting that. Like that, that's They're going against other people if in in – Patriot League volleyball tournament when Army plays Navy, that's a head-to-head matchup. Against each other. Tournament. I'm counting that. Valid, but okay. But if all three schools are competing at the same event, I feel like we have to count that. So, uh, for instance, All Academy Gymnastics, All Academy Wrestling, um, the USAG Gymnastics Team Finals. Which I think uh, is ironic. Those competitions, uh, the Rifle um, National Championship. In those competitions, even though there was other schools involved, um, all three service academies were participating, so I feel like we kind of have to have to track those. I don't know. What do y'all think? I agree. I think one of the – I think if you get down to what the spirit of the award is, I mean, and maybe you guys can speak for your respective academies, but I know that when Air Force is going head-to-head uh, with either one of them, it just feels different. And so I think that there's a little bit more of a motivation to say, okay, we're beating Army or we're beating Navy. Yeah, for instance, there was earlier in the year, either I think Navy traveled to play in the Air Force tennis, like home invitational or whatever. But so, like, they were both competing in that, but there was other teams competing and there was no way to really track. Like, they had some matches against each other, but there was no way to track, like, who won that, even though they were competing at Air Force. So I didn't count that. Um, 
So yeah. Whereas when they when Army and Air Force met up in Orlando, uh, that was a head to head tennis match for the women. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. I yep. Get that. Exactly. And that w- that was counted. Those were head to heads. Exactly. So, all right. What other questions you got, Austin? No, I think I think that's good. Just looking for that. I guess actually my final question would be we might need some help from some listeners and and, and some readers. Like we got to make our trophy, right? We got to know what that's going to look like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and we're we we haven't really necessarily brought this up with every single contributor on against all enemies, but uh, we intend to make a trophy. We intend to to send it to the school, whether it ends up uh, never coming out of the box, who knows? <laughs> but um, so there's that balance between like I don't want it to be like a middle school um, cheerleading competition trophy, like you know that quality. I want it to be something good, so I want to put some some coin behind it, but. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we get some feedback on what that should be and look like. Maybe I'm just like a huge uh, golf nerd here, but I do think it'd be cool if we could incorporate Eisenhower's love for golf into it a little bit. Maybe if we could get it, because they had the Eisenhower tree at Augusta, which got knocked down a few years back, and at at the Air Force Academy, um, the course is named Eisenhower Golf Course. So maybe we could get like an old golf club of his or something and mount it. That'd be like awesome. an old golf club of his. I don't know. Go on all, go on all old golf. golf club or a piece of the Eisenhower tree. If we had a piece of the Eisenhower tree though, and I had to go present the word, there's a chance that it would end up back. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, they didn't want it. They were like, yeah, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. So I kept it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Before we jump into to that, that's a good segue, actually, right into the conversation with Billy, which I think everybody hopefully will enjoy. I do want to get your take, Scott, on you know Air Force kind of is. is uh, I don't know if they stole this from us with the Ica War, but the last week they were kind of pushing buttons on um, tracking the last five years versus um, versus Army and versus Navy, and um, from a Navy perspective, and I say this in love, uh, you're kind of rationale of the younger brother mentality and syndrome is absolutely holds true i think that they make it a point to um put push things like that more than the other two schools of hey look at us don't forget about us we've beaten army and navy more than they've beaten us in the past five years uh i mean yeah absolutely because it is one of those things where and i think the the best example of it um, I probably have on my tinfoil hat a little more than anybody would prefer on the website when it comes to giving Air Force the credit I think they deserve. But it's really evident, especially around uh, the Army-Navy game time. And one of the most famous tweets that just goes around that time is, this is the only game uh, where both teams are willing to lay down their lives. And that kind of shows the sentiment, and it's true. And I think that the people who say that are coming from a good place they they mean it in a nice way but at the same time it's not true the first weekend of october and the first weekend of of november um navy and air force both face off um or navy and air force and then army and air force both get to play and so it's one of those things where why are we being forgotten about the media and it comes around to um a lot of what the media wants to do. And, and, you know, there's that kind of attitude with at ESPN and CBS and, and bigger media companies like that, where the way that they want to frame it is that this is the only game that matters in the year when it comes to service academies and, uh, and being left out stinks, honestly. And I hope that that's something that Nathan Pine can change. And I think that this is a good way, the Ike award to, to show 
that we are not only that when we do beat either one of the other service academies, it's not a one-off, it's not a fluke, and that we've been performing well for the last few years. So, kind of, you know, what gives? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I don't know anybody else have any thoughts or want to share? Yeah, I was just going to add that in general, I feel like the general public always thought I was in the Air Force. If it makes you feel any better, mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't even know the difference <laughs> half the time walk around in a flight suit, right? That's what they thought I was in. So um, there's yeah. a little, I don't want to say ignorance behind it, but just, you know, some more education behind what what could be translated to the, the general public or maybe the, the average sports fan. And that's cool because that's what we're here to do, right? Like that's that's the whole point of this. And that's what that's what makes it cool is we get the chance to, to make sure that that's not happening, that we're giving them their due. True, but the other thing about it that I that I want to know is from maybe a Navy and Army fan's perspective, and it's it's something that's natural. I, I have a big problem sometimes in forcing too much down people's throats when it comes to sports. Um, so if it, I don't think it should ever get to the point where you know Air Force is telling Army or Navy you will care about this matchup just as much as the Army and Navy matches matchups. But it's true that there's that we do kind of get the shaft a little bit, and I know you guys don't mean anything by it, but whenever the kind of like war cry uh, sort of rallying phrases are beat Army and beat Navy, it's I almost feel a little bit left out when I see that. And when I see the bumper stickers that just say uh, beat Army and beat Navy, and I get that it goes back. The other thing is that there's a lot of tradition behind it. So it's going to take time, uh, I think, for that really to develop. I think it's going to take stories to happen um and and it it kind of is what was it 2012 or 2013 i think it was 2012 um when air force and navy played and we had that back-to-back um kind of run and then i think it was a blocked field goal that let air force um have a chance to win the game in overtime and just stories like that i think are going to build the the relationship and the rivalry organically and so I think presenting this is a way, the Ike Award is a way for that rivalry to organically occur without shoving anything down anybody's throats, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, um, I think that's that is like I like Scott said. That's the cool thing about doing this Ike Award is that we can um, kind of maybe champion that cause some because he's absolutely right. I mean, but everybody's been right in this, and it's not something that we're doing intentionally. It's just. Um, a lot of it uh, is is kind of forced on us um, that way, and so I get why um, I'm making fun of them for the message they're pushing. But I get why they're pushing that message because it's kind of like if they're not going to push it, who's going to push it for them? So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna say that, um, and we got to get to the to the break here. We're you know almost a half hour in now. We got to hear we got our interview with Billy, which is which is awesome. Um, but I will say, Scott, that the good thing is. Um, Right now, Air Force is two games up. Uh, they don't play Army and Navy. They're not scheduled to play Army and Navy in any kind of competition for the rest of the year um, unless it occurs in some NCAA tournament um, head-to-head. And Navy is scheduled um, for, I believe, six more competitions uh, against Army. Um, they're down two, so they'd have to um, you know, win four of those, I guess, right, to, to – ensure that they at least tied air force um if they went four and two in their the remaining um events um and some of those are going to be difficult it's a three-game baseball series the two lacrosse matches and then a tennis match i believe um so it's looking pretty good for air force they, they have pretty good chances and if you're an air force fan for the ike award you should be should be rooting for army at this point 
All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, on the other side of this break will be my interview uh, with Billy Hurley III, uh, Naval Academy graduate, PGA Tour veteran, uh, and uh, or the only veteran on the PGA Tour, I should say. Um, he just got a top 30 in the Valspar a couple of weeks ago. It's Masters Week, and he kind of gives us um, a, a good dive into how he came to the Naval Academy, um, what he learned in his time at Naval Academy, how he was shaped by being a surface warfare officer for five years, um, and just kind of life on tour and some, some rapid fire questions we shot his way. So hopefully you enjoy that. All right. Welcome back to uh, Against All Enemies podcast episode one. Uh, we are thrilled um, to have our first ever guest on our first ever podcast uh, be someone uh, of the caliber of Billy Hurley the third. Uh, for those who maybe don't know, um, Billy went to the Naval Academy, uh, 2004 graduate, uh, was commissioned as an ensign in the Navy, went on to serve as a surface warfare officer, did his five years of, of active duty commitment as a surface warfare officer, and I'll let him probably talk a little bit more about what that experience was like. Um, but Billy was a uh, very, very successful amateur amateur golfer uh, in his time at Navy. Uh, he can probably talk more about uh, the things he accomplished uh, that at Navy um, and on the kind of amateur circuit with, on the Palmer Cup and Walker Cup teams and things like that. Um, but he is the only veteran on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's uh, been playing on the PGA Tour for several years now uh, and and won the 2016 Quicken Loans Tournament, which I actually didn't say before we got on here, Billy, but I was actually at that tournament. That was really cool to to see you because uh, I was teaching at the academy and had gone down actually the year before and then the year that you won to that tournament. And so um, he's been very, very successful as a, as a golfer on the PGA Tour uh, and being a service academy grad. Uh, and it's the Masters week this week. We're ramping up for, for a great weekend down in Augusta. Uh, we thought no better person to try and bring on than Billy. And so thank you very much for joining us, Billy, and, and being willing to do this first podcast and, and the growing pains to go along with that. Well, well, honored to be the first one here, Justin. Thanks. So I'm I'm curious uh, if we could like I want I want to go back maybe to even to high school and then kind of work through the academy and then okay. your time as a slow and then on to you know your experiences on the PGA tour, but also um, some of the things that you do through your your foundation um, because those are important to us as service academy grads and we're appreciative of the work you do um, supporting veterans and their families. Uh, and 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 those that are you know continuing to serve, um, yeah. remembering everyone deployed on Friday and things like that. So we'll get to that. But I'd like to go back to to you growing up in Northern Virginia uh, in that area, uh, and you're around some really really cool courses like Congressional, where you've you know obviously played uh, well in your professional career. And and there's a lot of golfers in that area that go on to have great college careers and and end up on the tour. Um, so what was your path like? getting to Navy from the junior golf circuit? Well, you know, I was primarily a baseball player growing up, and, and I kind of jokingly tell people that to this day I'd probably rather be a baseball player, but I uh, I hit the golf ball a lot better than I hit the baseball. So I, you know, play, played a lot of baseball growing up and, and uh, you know, kind of played golf more recreationally. Um, my dad was a good player. He, he played in college, and, and so he was still kind of, pretty he still played a lot when i was young you know two three mm -hmm. four five years old and 
And so my earliest memories of, of golf are just riding around in the cart with my dad, you know, chipping and putting or hitting a couple of shots around around the greens while he was playing with his friends. But, you know, didn't really do much with golf until until high school. And then high school, you know, and um, played, tried out for the high school team, played on the high school team, played baseball too, like I said, and then you know, kind of kept getting better at golf, kept getting better at golf, and and my so my junior year I decided to to quit everything else and and just focus on golf, and and so you know, kind of that's you know, 15, 16 years old, that's when I became a a golfer only, and um, you know, as far as getting to the Naval Academy, obviously being in Northern Virginia, you're in close proximity to it, so you know what it is, and 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 that kind of thing. But we also had a lot of family friends who were connected to it. Uh, no, no one in my family, but but a lot of my dad's friends and 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 kind of their dads and, and that kind of thing. In fact, I got a tour of the Naval Academy after my freshman year of high school from a retired uh, Vice Admiral Charles Minter, and mm-hmm. he was uh, I think one of two people who was both Commandant and Superintendent of the Naval Academy, and and so he's kind of has a storied history here in Annapolis and. And obviously, as a as an admiral in the navy, and and so he was um, kind of family friends with, with with our family, and and he gave me a, a tour, and I tell you, I was I guess 14 years old or something like that, and it was it was hook, line, and sinker, like mm-hmm. that's the only place I wanted to go to school after after I kind of saw it and and got to you know experience walking around the yard and, and seeing the campus, and and we even played golf that afternoon at the Naval Academy golf course and stuff. So it was a kind of it was a full day of of uh, Naval Academy indoctrination and, and, and I fell for it. So that was the, uh, you know, the only, the only place I really wanted to go to school. And, and um, so I kind of recruited myself in that sense to, to the golf team. I kind of told coach Owen, I said, well, Hey, I'm coming. Like, and, you know, just sort of started keeping in touch with him. And, and he was like, great, we've, we've, we've got a spot for you on the team. So um, yeah, that, that was kind of the path through high school to, to get to the Naval Academy. So were you were you being actively recruited by other schools, or I mean, or was it just uh, it was this kind of a you you blossomed and developed at the academy? I guess I guess uh, how good were you as a junior golfer? I mean, I, I'm I'm curious. Right. Yeah. So so I mean, I was I was good. I definitely got a lot better at the Naval Academy. I, you know, I, I was certainly not on the on the national recruiting radar. Uh, you know, of, of anybody of. of you know, preeminence in Division One, Oklahoma State, yeah. Georgia, Florida, any of that. I mean, I was not, not on, not on any of those radar screens. I, I certainly would have been recruited to, you know, kind of local mid-Atlantic schools um, had I not worn a Navy golf hat for my junior and senior year of high school and <laughs> in, in pretty much every competition I played in. So it was, it was pretty well known across the region what I was doing and, and where I was going. And, yeah. And so, Actually, no one, no one else even talked to me because, uh, I mean, the Naval Academy was actually the only school I applied to. Was there a point at Navy where you're like, hey, this is, uh, this could be something on the professional level? I mean, uh, obviously, yeah, I, don't think I mean, sure. You know, every every college golfer has a dream and aspiration. They want to play on the PGA Tour, right? And and, and obviously, there's you know some 20 year olds and some 18 year olds who have that more of a reality than than just a pipe dream so to speak and and for me it certainly was a pipe dream you know to to start out at the naval academy and and think that i would you know ever get to the pga tour but it was 
it was between my junior and senior year at the Naval Academy where I just, I got a lot better. I had kind of just, you know, taken one step forward, one step forward, one step forward all through kind of high school and, and early college. And then junior to senior year, I took, I don't know, three, four, five steps forward. And um, I don't have a, a, a good answer. People have asked me what happened then. I, I don't, I don't have a great answer for that. Certainly I, you know, worked hard on my game that summer and, 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 you know, kind of continued to try and get better and, and, and all that stuff. But, uh, that was kind of the time where, uh, I kind of emerged more on the, on the national scale. I, I played well in the 2003 U.S. Amateur and then I shot 61, um, in our first college event of the year in the fall of 2003, my senior year and, and kind of that kind of then put me more on the national screen. Um, I was ranked number two in the country in college at one point and um so yeah that that, that was kind of just where where it kind of blossomed into reality of oh wait this is uh this professional golf thing is probably something i should think a little more about and, and actually see what that looks like that's that's cool i'm curious then um you know the the academies kind of go back and forth and then the dod steps in and and there's always uh, you know, depending on the different administrations in the White House, different rules as far as how long you got to serve. Can you defer your commitment at all? Do you two years and then do the reserves? Obviously, Keenan Reynolds and, and Joe Cardona and Joe Greenspan and those guys from the Naval Academy um, got in at the perfect time where they could just jump straight into the reserves. Um, not was that necessarily something that you were considering, but was there any conversations that were that were had with you by anybody on high um, from Navy about the possibility of working something out to get you uh, into professional golf and, and minimizing your uh, active duty time. Yeah. So, I mean, right about the time I was, you know, in the spring of my senior year getting ready to graduate and stuff, uh, you, you know, the idea of, um, you know, what Keenan Reynolds and Joe Cardona and, and, and those guys have, have gotten to do over the last couple of years was, was being floated around. So that, that exact framework of, you know, 10 years in the reserves instead of five years active duty was, was floated to me um, as a, you know, would this be something you're interested in? You know, we still have a lot of work to do and we're still kind of, um, you know, trying to, trying to figure all that out. But I, but I spoke with, you know, a number of high ranking admirals at the time, you know, in that, in that spring of my senior year um, talking about that possibility. Now, obviously that, di that didn't come to fruition and, and, and didn't, didn't happen at that point in time. And, um, so then I did, you know, subsequently while I was active duty, I applied for the world-class athlete program, kind of the mm -hmm. so-called, you know, David Robinson program where you right. serve two years and then transfer to the reserves. And, and so again, I was, I was not, um, accepted into that program and, um, golf's kind of a weird sport. Um, you know, they, 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 they write those things for the Olympics and then for football and basketball, right? That's kind of like the, the, the big sports that, that, that people can kind of understand. And, and you know, they, they kind of looked at this policy and, and, and said, hey, well, how, what do we do with a golfer? Like, how does that yeah. work? You know, the, the policy actually states you have to have a contract with a professional team. Well, Tiger Woods doesn't have a contract with the PGA Tour. Like, no right. one has a contract with the PGA Tour. It doesn't exist. So we had to kind of figure out, well, how can we, you know, show some sort of, you know, prowess or whatever you don't get drafted you don't get selected you thought there's no one else there's no one out there that kind of stamps this guy's good enough you know so um you know we we, we tried to do that as best we could and, and ultimately um i think 
probably mostly as a result of, of bad timing in the in the uh, world of the military. Yeah. 2006, 2007 was was not the the time at which really um, the administrations wanted to do any of this with the height of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. So. Um, Ultimately, you know, did, did, I didn't get accepted to that, and so I, you know, happily served out the the last three years of of my uh, five year commitment. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the surge was going on right around then, and so that I mean, I guess you don't even consider early side. Don't when you think about about that exactly where we were uh, at that time when you were applying. And I think it's interesting too, and we can get into how you continue to to push uh, the service academy message. But um, you know, Keenan Reynolds. Uh, if he's dressed, you know, dressed out for the Seahawks, there's no, there's no Navy, uh, no Navy gear, right? There's nothing other than maybe he gets a mention on, uh, on Monday Night Football or whatever if he, you know, makes the, the 53 man roster. Um, but you, you know, your golf bag is decked out like a ship. You wear, you know, you beat Army on your, on your yardage book and all that kind of stuff. And, and obviously, you know, you're kind of showcasing that whenever, whenever you play. So it's just interesting when they're trying, like you said, trying to figure out what this looks like for a golfer versus another athlete. I feel like a golf, you know, you don't have a contract, but the other side of it is you kind of get to, to pick and choose a little more how you, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of things that we could have done creatively to to give that, uh, you know, exposure to, to the Navy and the Naval Academy. And, I kind of jokingly say now that uh you know they the navy was the smart ones because they uh they didn't give up anything and they're still getting all these <laughs> um that's true. Know, they, maybe, that's true so, so maybe they maybe they actually maybe they actually knew what they did I, I i don't think they ever thought of that but 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 uh that uh it is kind of funny to to think about it yeah well i i mean i think it's it's crazy and and i try and think and you know think about the situations that you would, you know, find yourself in, or even someone like Mitch Harris, um, you know, being a surface warfare officer as well sure. and trying to make it in professional baseball. But could you talk a little bit about, um, I mean, I just don't think people fully understand what it takes, you know, day in and day out to be a professional athlete, you know, regardless of what sport you're choosing. But then you you put yourself on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Uh, it's not like you had a, I don't think, like a, you know, a, a golf simulator you know in the the flight deck of the you know the destroyer or whatever right so how were you able to uh i guess keep your game tour ready or even if it if it diminished get it back to where it was and and you know what were you able to do yeah the the short answer to you know what i did as a service warfare officer was uh nothing you know i mean i was i was service warfare officer and so that was my job and that's what i did and um, you know, I certainly played golf on the weekends here and there, um, and, 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 you know, played, uh, I, I, I played a couple of tournaments. So I played, uh, I, I played the Sony Open Monday qualifier, um, when I was out in Hawaii and on the destroyer and, and, uh, actually lost in a playoff to, to get into the Sony Open out there. My, I think my CO was privately relieved that I didn't get in. <laughs> But uh, you know, he didn't have to explain to the Commodore why one of his JOs was, was playing golf this week. But you know, I um I, I mean I really feel very fortunate that my game came back. You know, there were no mm-hmm. guarantees, you know, kind of especially, you know, the last uh the last five months of my service I was deployed, so I played golf once in the last five months, you know, one one stop in Japan, played eighteen holes, you know, so that was um 
so that so it wasn't really exactly setting yourself up for success if you were thinking about how you're going to transition into professional golf. But you know, I just I just one of the things that I prided myself in in, in the Navy was was I you know I, I think I I did a good job as a service warfare officer and and I certainly know on on my last ship when I when I showed up kind of as this guy who had applied for the world class athlete program and it, it wasn't you know lost on anybody who I was and, 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 and what I, you know, was, was thinking about doing in the future. And, and so I don't think any, no one there knew, you know, who I was going to be and, and if I was going to be worth something or useless, you know, on the ship. And, and so I think that, uh, very quickly I, you know, squelled those, those thoughts and, and was able to, you know, prove myself as a, as a capable officer and, 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 contributed you know to the success of of the ship on on two deployments there in hawaii and so um but you know what i was able to do was very minimal i tried to you know i i definitely tried to work out as much as i could just keep my body ready especially in those last couple months like i i knew that i was going back to beat the heck out of my body hitting golf balls you know over and over again um to, to try and get my game back ready so um so I did, you know, do as much kind of of the working out and trying to keep my body ready to ready to perform when when the time came. But that was, you know, fairly well the extent of it, especially obviously on deployment. Yeah, I, th- I think you brought up two really interesting points, and in, you know, I'm asking you how did you keep your golf game ready, and and that's like that. I think asking that question that way, I know you get that. I'm sure whenever you talk to to people in settings like this, but uh, you know, as soon as you started to respond. And you're like, well, I was a surface warfare officer. Like, I, even if I, even if I had the opportunity, you know, to perhaps continue to work on my game, like, just that 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 diminishes in a way what you were doing because, as I mean, we we know that. I mean, I was an, an aviator, and of course, like, as a swole, you're 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 standing watch on the ship every third day or whatever. I mean, you're working eighty, ninety, hundred hour weeks um, to even like think that you could be working on your golf game is kind of a, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it made me think of the fact that, you know, not only were you um, on a ship, but what you were having to do uh, and give up, there's not even really a, a question as to whether you would have even had the opportunity to really work on your golf game. Um, right. Right. And yeah. And, and, and most people, you, you know, obviously most people, uh, you know, in, in the civilian world don't, don't understand that and, and, and realize how, you know, demanding and grueling any any job in the military is and so it's uh you know certainly not even just a, a 40 hour a week kind of job and on deployment it you know goes to like you said 100 hour weeks so um and, and maybe maybe more than that but um so yeah i mean i um that's kind of you know what i what i decided i was going to do is i was going to be a service warfare officer and be, be the best that i could i you know i yeah you know, pe- people often ask me like um early on people you know were like well did you get out of any of your commitment and i was like whoa, whoa, whoa slow down slow down mm-hmm. i didn't try and get out of anything mm-hmm. you know yeah. i i mean i was i was trying i wanted to serve you know i signed up to serve and i wanted to serve i was there's policies in place where where you can serve in a different capacity than is yep. quote normal um but uh, i i didn't i didn't ever try and get out of anything um and and obviously ended up serving you know a full 5 years so there's no even question in that at, at this point but you know um and even even you know Joe Cardona and and Keenan and Greenspan and and, and those guys like they they didn't get out of anything they're not yep. um 
you know, they're they're serving differently and 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 I I respect the heck out of Cardona and, and how he's he's framed all of his message and been able to be very successful out there and, and hopefully Keenan and, and those guys can can get you know a little more um, notoriety and playing time as well. Yeah, I I think on the if the the listeners we're gonna have on this podcast are probably in agreement. I mean I'm in agreement with you and they're gonna be in agreement as well. They're not gonna be on that other side of the fence. It's like, oh why are we even you know. Are you coming to the Naval Academy to become professional athletes? And that's not, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's another conversation. The other thing that I thought that you brought up that was interesting was kind of your approach to, to your job as a SWO. Um, and I think that's another important point is, you know, it, the, the world class athletes, those service academy athletes that go on to be professional athletes, um, there have been instances of those types of, uh, people who have not done what you said and have not, uh, given it their all and in the kind of, service academy community we know that we hear those stories and they're not the one i mean they show up and they they kind of they do disservice sure. to to the program and so to hear you kind of speak to hey my mindset was i'm going to show up and i'm going to give it my all as a, as a service warfare officer uh and of course there's going to be a little bit of uh, uncertainty when i first show up with people saying like oh what's this guy about we know he's you know trying to be a professional golfer to kind of do it the right way i guess um it's so important for for future um, service academy graduates who want to be professional athletes. So, I mean, that's just, that's just great to, to hear you kind of speak to that. And I appreciate that. Um, I'd like to, uh, to kind of shift gears for a little bit. And I'd love to talk, uh, or hear from you kind of the work that you do through, through your foundation, through the Billy Hurley the third and the Brave Golf Tournament. Can you tell me kind of how that came to be, yeah. uh, and, and what you're doing with the foundation moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, my wife and I um, certainly wanted to, to figure out how we were going to be, you know, what we were going to do in the charitable space and how we were going to do that. And, and we we have a lot of faith-based uh, organizations that, that we support, but we were trying to obviously figure out how to tie in my military service and, and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, we had a um, um, kind of an events marketing person talk to us and said, well, what about doing this kind of brave tournament and how do we, you know, involve, you know, active duty personnel and can we get them to come and can we, you know, make that a part of it? And, and it just kind of grew from there. And, and so what we end up doing is we end up raffling off um, a trip to to the tournament, the 18 mm-hmm. active duty service members, and we, we run those raffles through uh, the MWR courses a- across um, across America, really. Um, and, uh, I think we have, we have over 30 courses participating in the program, which, which just opened up, uh, last week. So, you okay. know, basically if you, if you're out at an MWR, you know, base course, then you can, you can sign up to put your name in the raffle, um, to, to win basically a trip to Annapolis, uh, for the Billy Hurley the third and the Brave tournament. And so, you know, and so running a charity tournament instead of me asking, you know, 18 of my friends on tour to come be the quote celebrity in each group and entertain the, um, you know, the sponsors and people paying to be there. We, we bring 18 active duty service members and have them be a part of the tournament and have them be kind of the quote celebrity in the group. And, and so, you know, it's all expenses paid for them and, and they come to Annapolis and have, have nice, you know, three days, a couple nights here and, and uh, we, we've been very fortunate to get a suite at the baseball game and, mm. and or, you know, through through some of my, you know, sponsors, get them 
you know, clothes and, 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 and that kind of thing for golf. And, and then, then we have a great day uh, uh, playing golf. So this year it's July 8th. Um, it's here in Annapolis at the Naval Academy Golf Course. And uh, if you if anybody wants to, to know more about that, you can go to www.bh3, that's the number three, bh3.golf. So um, that's kind of the website where we house everything that is BH3 and the Brave. And, and so it's really been cool. I mean, you, you know, that's that's our primary fundraiser for um, what's now the, the Billy Hurley III Foundation. And, 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 you know, what my wife and I set out to do with the BH3 Foundation is, is support military families. Um, we look back at our time in the Navy, and, and, and I was just an average, everyday guy who who went to work and and did his job and came home had a young son and a wife at home and you know went on a couple of deployments and left my wife as a you know single mom and 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 it really just you know in 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 our context we just really realized that the the families serve as well it's not just the service member who's who's serving but the entire family unit is is affected and 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 should be honored for what they do to enable the service member to go forth and 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 serve and fight for our country and so we've just kind of tried to come up with creative ways um how we can um support military families and that's that's kind of the the mission of the bh3 foundation yeah i mean that's great there's so many veteran service organizations out there and and they all focus on different things and of course you still do things to continue to keep the the focus on the the service member as well through wearing red on fridays whenever you play uh, and things like that to remember everyone deploy. But I just think it's so cool and admirable that that your uh, that your focus and mission, while of course still on the service. I mean, of course that's impacting the service member by helping take care of the families. But the, the family unit is is so critical to to uh, being able to execute the mission out there. You know, for deployed. And, Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. Uh, super cool. Can you talk about? Uh, you know, we know you went to Djibouti last year. Um, with, was that a yeah, USA trip yeah, or? Yeah, it was. It was it was organized through USO and, and myself and four other PGA tour players went, went out there to Djibouti and spent spent two days on the on the base out there, Camp Lemonier and um we were able to visit with a with a wide range of uh of, of folks out there. Um, you know, Army, Air Force, Navy, um I don't know actually if I saw a Marine on that base or not, but um <laughs> we uh you know, kinda kinda the gamut of, of everybody out there and um and and it was it was cool because they um y- you know you you think that um especially in 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 those places you know Djibouti East Africa is not exactly the the prime location to be stationed or deployed and and but you know like like you know and 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 most people listening know you know no one no one's complaining you know they're they're happy to be there and they're and they're doing their job and they're they're happy to be doing their job and and actually for is for some of those people out there, that's one of the only times they actually get to do their job and make more advancement in their rate for the enlisted side and, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Um, a lot, lot of reservists out, out there in yep. Djibouti, and um, so it was, it was really, it was really fun for me on on multiple levels. Um, you know, I, I had never kind of been to the the quote desert, you know, and and, and seen the Connex box living on, on land. You know, I've been in the Persian Gulf, and uh, you know, did did forty six straight days of oil platform defense out there, but um, had never kind of, you know, been, been on the ground in, in Iraq, Kuwait, you know, those, those type places, Djibouti. So it was fun to, 
fun to kind of see that and, and kind of experience what that is, you know, living, you know, we stayed in the Connex box for the, the couple nights we were there and, um, and, and then it was also fun to, you know, take four other tour players and, and be a little bit more of an expert tour guide than they might've otherwise gotten, um, be able to explain some of the things, you know, um, we would talk to people and, yeah. and their, their heads would be spinning with all the acronyms. Right. right. So we're yeah. trying, trying to help them make sense of some of that and, and getting to share my, my previous life. You're like the translator them. there. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely was, was kind of a translator for sure. And that's funny. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was, just, so it was definitely fun to like, you know, have some of them see what I did while well, I didn't do that exactly. Right. I, you know, but, but see the, the, the life that I lived in the organization that I was a part of prior to uh, coming back to golf and making it to the PGA tour. Yeah. What a cool experience. Well, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, uh, I, I would like you to, if you could kind of update people on, on your kind of status and state in 2019 and where we might be seeing you play. I know you just got a top 30 at the, the Valspar uh, a few weeks back. So congrats on that. But uh, where are we going <laughs> to yeah. see you? And then uh, I do have a rapid fire list of questions to kind of sign off with, but that'll only take a All right. But then, okay. uh, you know, after you kind of update us real quick, could you just, it, it's almost commissioning time uh, at all the service academies. And I really think it would be cool for you to maybe kind of uh, share just for a minute, like what, what, what would be your top advice to midshipman first class Hurley around this time back in 2004, a month out from graduation? <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, let's let's see. So I'm going to play um, the Zurich Classic is is the new team event in a couple okay. of weeks. Uh, I'm going to play with Peter Malnati, who's one of my good friends on tour. And then um, I, I expect to be in the Byron Nelson um, in Dallas. And and so maybe haven't haven't quite figured out if I'm going to play in Charlotte at the Wells Fargo Championship or not. But um, we'll have those ones. And then we've got U.S. Open qualifying. Hopefully the U.S. Open. Out in Pebble Beach, Monterey, there. So that, that another kind of Navy yeah, town that would yeah, be awesome cool. to get into there. Um, so that, yeah, that that'll take us through through June, and and then um, I'll be, I think I'll be really hot and heavy, probably playing um, as many as six in a row uh, late June to 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 the early August. So um, yeah, just just uh, kind of definitely didn't play very much in in January, February, March. Uh, well, January, February, play a little bit in March, and then, then we'll get kind of rolling hot into into May, June, and July. Awesome, sounds um, good. And then, yeah, sorry, this yeah, is very, two very different no, questions, but but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll shift gears. Absolutely, you know, commissioning um, certainly an exciting, certainly an exciting time, and and you know, you, you kind of so much of uh, so much of life and. Um, and especially at this point in time at, at the Naval Academy or in all service academies, you, you, you're looking forward, right? And you're, you're kind of thinking about what's next. And so I would just say to midshipmen and cadets out there, like stay, stay present where you are, make sure that you, you know, you finish your, your first year well, make sure that you, you know, can continue to, uh, in, invest in, in the, in the underclassmen beneath you as a squad leader or a mentor or a team captain or, whatever that is just just finish well and do what you've um, been given to do as a first class midshipman well um you know the the, the commissioning and, and and your first duty assignment that that'll all come um and 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 it'll get here before you know it and so just you know finish finish what you're doing now well at the academy 
Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's great advice. And, and enjoy the relationships you have with your fellow firsties because they're about to, uh, they to, absolutely to scatter spread and, you, and you never get it back and you don't realize it, I don't think. So, all right. Well, I, we appreciate the time. Uh, I'm going to, can I do the rapid fire questions? Let's quick? do it. Sure. And, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you go because I think I've kept you a little long, but, uh, all right. So rapid fire set of questions here. Uh, just, you know, you know, answer as quickly as possible. Okay. Um, based on your, uh, you, your travels around the globe as a service warfare officer and as a, a PGA tour golfer, if you were recommending a basket leave destination for a, a firstie right now, best, best place to go for 30 days of leave. Uh, go home. You're never going to go home again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. That's, I was not expecting that, but that's like actually a really, really wise answer. What will your champion's dinner be when you win the Masters at some point? Ooh, um, I haven't really thought about that, to be honest, but uh, we'll, we'll probably have uh, Maryland crab cakes in there. For of sure. course. Yeah, got to. With some Old Bay? Are you an Old Bay guy? That's right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right, good. i got to put Old Bay on there. Favorite DOD golf course? Oh, um. Probably, probably uh, Mamala Bay out at Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii, uh, huh. which I guess is now Joint Base, yeah. Pearl Harbor, Hickam, or whatever. But um, yeah, we pl- played a lot of afternoon twilight rounds there after getting off work on the ship, and uh, you know has has some good views of the ocean, and and also has some F-15s landing on the runway right next to you. So hmm. um, pretty 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 solid course, good good mix of holes. There's there's better views out on on uh on Kaneohe Bay yep. uh, on the Marine Corps base side but uh better overall golf course at, at Hickam. All right, there you go, Hickam. Should the players be a fifth major? Well, you know, I don't think we'll ever probably expand into quote five majors, but it certainly yeah. is the best field in golf and and uh, there's no there's no doubt that it that it is uh, a coveted prize that is you know, right up there with the majors for, for the players. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of already at – I mean, it, it'll never be named that, but it's kind of a pseudo-fifth major that's right. as it is, it, right? It, so. it, it, that's, I, I think that, that's exactly right. What's harder, navigating a boat through the Suez Canal at night or shooting 59 at Bay Hill? Oh, 59 at Bay Hill is way harder <laughs> um, because Bay Hill – I don't think I've shot better than 69 at Bay Hill. So, um, But uh, it, not not to diminish what you would have to do. I mean, thankfully, you don't really navigate the Suez Canal at, at night. night. That's all right. kind of day transit. Yeah. But, um, but, but nonetheless, uh, you know, navigating the Suez Canal is just, is just paying attention. Right. Um, shooting 59 is getting a little lucky too. Yeah, yeah. Favorite restaurant in downtown? Billy, is, you are still an Annapolis resident, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, live so. here about a mile and a half from downtown. So um, There you go. Favorite, favorite restaurant, restaurant in DTA? Downtown Annapolis. Uh, Preserve. It's a pretty, mm. pretty kind of a newer newer one that's, that's not uh, not necessarily a staple that everybody knows of. I've probably been here three, four years. Uh, is that the yeah, top of place? really good. Uh, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it kind of, well, it's not. There's it's not a place that most people think of as the top of the place. That's the one up it's on a small uh, plate. It's on Main Street. Main Street. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. About halfway up on the right. Awesome. Favorite person to be paired with on tour? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I, I definitely don't. I don't think I have a, a yeah. favorite or a least favorite person. I, I mean, I get along pretty well with everybody and, um, there, you know, it seems every year you have one guy that you get paired more with, or, or um, each year. But, but I don't ever, I don't think I've ever 
said, oh, I really want to get paired with that guy. That's a very, very good political answer. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Most importantly, you ha- you by far have the coolest bag on tour, and I want to know how I can get one. Yeah. So the bag looks like a destroyer. It's kind of set up to to look like uh, the bow of of yeah. Miss Chung Hoon when when my caddy carries it. And um, it, yeah, it has been really cool. And, and thanks for saying that. So you can you can actually get them on my website, BillyHurley3.com. Right. So that's BillyHurley number three. Dot com. I will warn you, they're quite expensive, um, but that's just kind of due to the custom nature, and we had yeah. to we had to do uh, we had to do a special you know dye to get the bag color right. You know, it had to be haze gray, and you know couldn't couldn't be any other color than that. So so, uh, but we did all the details right to make it to make it look as best we could. Awesome, uh, yeah. So everybody, go check that out, and if you're down to drop some serious coin, uh, it is it is a really really cool looking. Uh, golf bag well we appreciate the time billy seriously um i know we probably ran over by 10 10 minutes or so and no so worries. No i worries. appreciate you hanging hanging on with us and since i ended up being the only one on the conversation i have no problem saying you know beat army beat air force um clearly uh i i enjoy the the naval academy conversation without having to deal with those other those other guys but uh you know seriously we, we thank you um thanks for being willing to be our first guest and thank you for the way you represent not just Navy athletics, but service academy athletics and, you know, and the Department of Defense as a whole uh, on tour and, 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 and what you continue to do through your foundation. And good luck to you in the rest of 2019. Can't wait to watch you crush it out on tour. All right. Thanks a lot, Justin. I'll let go of the beat army to end here. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Billy. Welcome back to Against All Enemies podcast episode one. If you've stuck with us this long already, um, some really good discussion on the front end about our mm-hmm. inaugural I-Corps that we wanted to uh, kind of let everybody know what we were doing and trying to uh, track Army, Navy, and Air Force competitions and all varsity sports against each other. And that brings up another point, actually, that I didn't make before. Uh, like rugby, for instance, I'm not including because it's not a varsity <laughs> sport for all three, even though they're playing each other. Just some of them haven't classified that. So only varsity sports that all three schools treat uh, as varsity sports, or at least in competition, both schools treat as varsity sports, like hockey. Air Force and Army, that's varsity, but Navy it's not. But when Air Force and Army hockey play each other, that counts towards the I-Corps. Uh, right. Anyways, and then great interview with Billy. I really hope everybody enjoyed that. That was a treat for me to get to interview him um, for sure. Um, so we're going to get kind of into uh, what's going on this week and then wrap things up here on our first ever episode. Uh, so big week, Army-Navy lax, 100th meeting. Um, there's logos been designed specifically for this, throwback jerseys. Uh, Austin, what do you think about the mesh jerseys, the throwbacks Love for Navy? Love it's awesome, it. right? That's, like that's yeah, that's what throwbacks need to become, right? Like, I mean, everything else has been tired and true. Now you're going to give me some mesh throwbacks? Like, that's something unique and different. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was I thought it was really cool. Um, and so there's been, you know, a big push here for this 100th meeting and obviously both storied lacrosse programs. So a big deal for, I think, lacrosse as a whole for this 100th meeting. And if you're a Navy fan, sale of the century is this weekend. So make sure you go to uh, go see some lacrosse because – you can get some really, really cheap, uh, cheap swag, leftover cleats and jerseys and helmets and stuff for your your collection. So, um, good stuff. So yeah, I mean, I throw it to you guys. Um, any kind of things you're thinking about uh, in regards to this matchup? I mean, the Patriot League standings are 
Um, this is an important important matchup for both schools in trying to position themselves for the Patriot League tournament. Um, Army comes in ranked 20th in the country. They're having a tremendous season. They've done really well so far in Patriot League play, um, but that's not to say that they're certainly not beatable. Navy's sitting kind of at 500 in Patriot League play, but trying to jockey for position as well. I don't think anybody wants to play Loyola in the first round, and Navy is definitely in jeopardy of having to do that. So um, I don't know. What do you all think? I think it'll be very – very interesting. Of course, I'm going to, you know, always give the spotlight, uh, you know, to the women's team. Um, you know, Army went for the last this past season, averaging at least 15 um, goals per game, which I think is going to be an interesting thing to look at uh, for Navy women's defense um, because they're pretty gritty. But each player of about maybe eight of them are averaging about 12 goals per less per game. So I don't know. I think it'll be um, kind of an interesting matchup. It is also in West Point, both of the games this weekend. So I'm wondering how that's going to play, um, if it's going to play really at all. I think, you know, we talked so much about um, location and, you know, geographics and all that jazz. So I think it'll be interesting to kind of look at. Yeah, so so my big story, at least on the women's side, I think you have to say Navy's favored, and on the men's side, yeah, I think you have to say Army is favored, right? Like just coming in on the surface level, that's that's how it's shaping up to be. Uh, I think if you're gonna make it that black and white, the most likely upset would be Navy having on the men's side having a chance to pull out a win. I think the Army win and coming into Annapolis to try to get that win is gonna be a lot harder than it would be for Navy to hold the ground at home and upset on the men's side. Uh, and I think the key there is if Navy can limit turnovers, which has been a struggle all year long, but if they can limit turnovers and if they can stand strong uh, on defense, then they have a shot. Um, one thing I saw that was really interesting, at least in the Patriot League in terms of stats, was a crazy team statistic that I th- Army is the worst in man-up situations in terms of converting and scoring goals, uh, but... Navy is the worst in defending in man-up situations or something along those lines. So that's also going to be a very interesting matchup is just kind of see who who can succeed when they have the one-man advantage. Like who who is in offensive mode and can convert. Uh, and I, I think the danger for Navy is the amount of turnovers that they historically have caused this season where I think still gives the edge to Army at the end of the day. Um, but if Ryan Kern can stand in the cage and do what he does and has a great game, then he can potentially keep it close and and I think we'll we'll see what happens. But I do give the slight edge to Army, uh, but could easily see Navy pulling off a one or two goal victory at home. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and Kayla probably doesn't like, I mean, she is a strong supporter of Army women's lack. So um, for you to say that, that the better chances for Navy to upset Army on the men's side. But I, I mean, I tend to agree with that as well. Um, though I think that the, I agree with you. The turnovers thing is going to be the issue because Army's defense is is really strong. I mean, that's that's been their calling card for several years now. Um, and so Navy has struggled in that area this year with turning the ball over. And I just think that um, that's that could expose them. Uh, and and unless Ryan Kern has a great day in the net, then the, the, the lead could start to, to build. Um, and that hasn't you know, played well in Navy's favor at times this year either. So, um, but on the women's side, Navy has been super strong, very similar in that no one wants to, you know, be set up to, to face Loyola, at least not until the Patriot League championship game on the women's side as well. That's their only Patriot League loss. Otherwise they've blown everybody out. Army though is much improved. And so that's such a good thing for this rivalry. I believe uh, is that it becomes a rivalry. Like both schools have, 
you know, are in their first decade of introducing lacrosse as a varsity sport. Army's only been around a couple of years. Um, and Army is, is in really great position to make the Patriot League tournament for the first time. And I just think that would be super cool. Um, so I honestly am hoping for obviously two great matchups. Um, but but I would like to see Army keep it close and and, and on the women's side. Um, and I think that they, I, they're going to come in with that attitude of, of we have exceeded expectations this year. Um, yes, it's a, I mean, this is going to be a tough matchup against Navy who has been dominant, not only in the Patriot league, but in NCAA tournament in recent years. But, um, but we're, we're more prepared than we have been at any point so far in our you know time as a varsity sport. So, you know, what I'm really interested to see is, uh, is basically just how the tempers are going to be, because obviously when you have like full contact sports, like, like lacrosse, like tempers can, can tend to flare. And especially when you guys mentioned that statistic about how um, you said the Navy's been having uh, Navy's been having problems with their defense on when they're man down, and um, and Army's been having trouble scoring. And I think Army's problem with that comes from a lot of their youth. Um, I don't know exactly who's on their their man up system for as far as midfielders go, but like their leading scorer um, is is Brennan uh, Nickturn. Yep. And he is, I mean, he's a freshman. So a lot of that comes from his youth and, and maybe not putting the ball on cage when it comes time to, uh, when it comes to clutch situations there. And so, I mean, the obvious answer for Navy, if that's going to be, if they think that that could be a place that they, if Army can overcome um, the inability to score and it looks like they're going to be doing better on penalty situations, the Navy's just going to have to really keep their tempers in check and, you know, avoid going man down and, and avoid stupid mistakes like slashing and, and offsides and things like that. Yeah, and, and not to be lost in all of this, back to the kind of the competition overall, the Star Series. Um, Navy, it was even going into the last weekend until Navy took the track, swept the track, outdoor track. And so now going into this, uh, it is one win for Navy is guaranteed a tie, at least in the Star Series this year, two wins this weekend. Um, seals the star series for Navy uh, with um, with baseball left so and it's it's tennis also men's tennis is playing in West Point this weekend so there's three stars up for grab this weekend Navy only has to win one event um, in order to at least get a tie in the star series and then like we said for the Ike award um, they pretty much got to go four and two the rest of the way uh, in order to um, ensure at least a tie with Air Force for that for that Ike award so um, it, it's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, I think another thing, I just to keep talking about the, uh, the lacrosse aspect, I think it's also hard to make a prediction because of just the types of teams that both of them have played. Like, Army has played some solid teams, and they have a few a few ranked wins. Like, it, number one was, I guess their, their most quality win was probably over Rutgers, and then they had an overtime win against UMass. But we haven't seen... Navy getting those quality wins, but they've maybe played some tougher teams like with Maryland where they lost, where they kept it relatively close, nine to fourteen. Um, they lost to Princeton, eleven nine, and so I think we're having really this disparity. Really, the only game they have in common is when both teams lost against Lehigh, and I don't think that really, I don't know, I don't think that can tell us too much about what's going to be happening. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah. Definitely. So, hundredth meeting between the two, between the two schools, which is awesome. So, if you're in Annapolis area, head on out to Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, cheer on Navy, cheer on Army, um, and and just get set for a great lacrosse weekend. Plus, once again, sail the century. Can't miss out on that if you're in town. Um, and if you are gonna be there, 
let me know and uh, I might get you to give me some stuff because it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I can never have enough gear, right? So I have a question about atmosphere uh, as far as those games go. Is it how much different is it from football? Is it kind of like the the parking lots open to tailgate and do whatever you want? Because I feel like that could be a lot of fun for mids cadets and just people around. It there. is. I will say I think for a um, sports experience like event. Uh, for a mid or a cadet, um, Army Navy Lax is better than any of the other home football games because of that. Because they're mm-hmm. you're allowed to go, at least you were, you know, beforehand and drink and kind of. I mean, it is a little bit more raucous and rowdy even with the brigade and and the corps than um, than at other you know standard home football weekend games where you're waiting until after the game is over and you know because you have to march on and all that in order to go have some fun outside the stadium. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And obviously it's not going to be filled to capacity, but um, it's probably the second biggest uh, event there, um, at least for, for Navy uh, on the year. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the game atmosphere of at least a full stadium, when you play air force 36,000 strong, you can't replicate that. And then the army Navy lacrosse game, but just for at least a mid it's, it's probably a, I don't want to call it a more fun experience. It's different, but it's still uh, it's still good. It's enjoyable. More people get in trouble at lacrosse games than football games is what we're trying to say. I was going to say <laughs> raucous was a good was probably a good word. It's just uh, a bunch of lax you know lax bros. Everyone's excited. Yeah. So, all right, we've been uh, we, we've been at this for a little while, and we you know and that includes our half hour interview with Billy Hurley. So, um, hopefully, everybody stuck with us. We'll keep working. It's only episode one, but I do want to make sure that my three companions here get a chance to give their shout out of the week to their respective somebody in their from their respective school uh, we'll try and add this in each time just to make sure we're we're giving due recognition to to people perhaps in other sports or that have had some standout performances since the last time uh, we talked you know going forward in the future so um, I mean I don't, I don't know who wants to go first on this anybody like super excited about their shout out of the week Kayla is all right go ahead Kayla I am. <laughs> Only, it, it's crazy. I'll be quick. But of course, um, I, and I mentioned before talking about gymnastics, but Cole Casanova on the Army uh, men's gymnastics team, just super awesome. I actually came across a video of him um, this past weekend on my like popular Instagram page. It was like super random. Um, but he's the collegiate national vault championship um, champion, excuse me. And then of course, you know, the army men's gymnastics team is going to NC, uh, double a, uh, championships later this, this April 19th. And I think the 20th, um, in Chicago. So it'll be interesting, but if you're not into gymnastics, you should be, cause it's crazy. And whatever move he pulled off, I don't know the name of, but it looks impossible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we just like, we already said we were going to tell the stories a little bit and they would come out on the podcast. So my first year, I got restricted for a positive DI hit. And if you don't know what that is, it's when they go around and check your room. And uh, and I thought I'd signed out, whatever. The point is, I was restricted for a while, and I had another buddy who was also restricted. And we decided we would start, we wanted to watch something, some sports, and it was on late at night. And we went onto the ESPN website and all they had was gymnastics and we got super into it. So I know some of the, some of the moves like straddle Jaegers and double Jaegers and all different kinds of things like that. And, uh, it's electric. So I would absolutely kind of piggyback on that and say, tune in. 
Yeah, and they've had some great battles this year um, between the three service academies, and they've come down a couple of them down, you know, towards the wire. And so, yeah, it's it's exciting for sure. Um, all right, well, Scott, why don't you give you a shout? Um, so since we didn't get to talk about too much Air Force sports, I'm gonna do two, but I'll keep it quick. Uh, and it just because it's important to me. So. Griffin Jacks mm. uh, was named the 2019 yeah. Male Athlete of the Year for the entire Air Force, and it's awesome. He was drafted in 2016, and right around then, if you remember your uh, academy sports history, there was some controversy uh, when it came to whether or not athletes were going to be able to forego their initial commitment and go straight into the reserves. Um, and he received a $500,000 signing bonus uh, when he went into when he was when he was signed. Um, and it initially looked like he wasn't going to be able to play. But ultimately, he was able to play, and right now he's on the world-class athlete program. And uh, he's in the Twins organization still. He's playing for the yeah. Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Yes, go Blue Wahoos. And, yeah. uh, he, and, he's, yeah, and he's also training for the, uh, the 2020 U.S. Olympic baseball team. Um, and I think this really celebrates, and it's able to bring out what's awesome about allowing our our service academy athletes kind of spread their wings and soars because he's he's going out there. People are talking about him in in different interviews and games that he plays, and he can kind of be that representation of people who say, "Hey, I'm an elite athlete. Why wouldn't I go play uh, for the military, or why wouldn't I, you know, go into the National Guard or the reserves or something like that, and uh, have a chance to serve while still doing what I'm passionate about?" So, uh, huge shout out for the Air Force for recognizing that. And huge shout out to him because, um, you know, that's really incredible to have happen. And my second one, really quick, uh, Tom Whitney is an Air Force Academy grad. He was 2011 or 10. I'm so sorry. I'll correct this. So I'll, he was a 2010 grad. He was a 2011 grad. And I'll edit out whichever one it wasn't. Uh, but he's playing in the Moline Canuelas Championship uh, this week in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, he plays golf on the PGA Latino America Tour, and kind of the pecking order, if you will, um, is it goes PGA Tour, and then just below that is web.com, and then just below that is uh, the PGA LA. And he was kind of in a situation that's similar, and so this is almost contrast, um, he was in a situation that was similar to Billy Hurley where he had to go and serve, and he was a missileer um, in one of the, the northern Midwestern states, not conducive to playing great golf. Um, and still, after his commitment was up, he decided to commit to it, and now he's working his way up. He's made it into a few tour events, uh, like the Byron Nelson down in Dallas, and he's played some on the web.com, um, and now he's trying to get that status back by going down and playing in South America. Um, it's, I don't know how much coverage it will necessarily be, but definitely follow him, because uh, he's a great guy, he's really interesting, he's got a big beard now, kind of like Austin does, and, uh, and it's just awesome, so shout out to him as well. Yeah, man, that's uh, I think it's cool that the Griffin Jacks thing. It doesn't help that, or it doesn't hurt. I mean, that he's dominating right now too, right? He's like, he yeah. is, he's doing very well um, for the Blue Wahoos, um, and I just think going back to the Billy Hurley interview and what we talked about and um, that interesting conversation, I thought of, you know, it's funny because if Keenan Reynolds or Joe Cardona, like, I mean, yeah, most people know his know their story and they're going to get some kind of shout out, perhaps on on you know ESPN or CBS or whatever. Um, but they're wearing Seahawks jersey or Patriots jersey, whereas Billy Hurley the Third is wearing a Navy visor and a, has a Beat Army, you know, yardage book, and his golf bag is a destroyer. Like, I mean, what more could you get as far as 
representation and, and brand awareness and things like that. Uh, and yet, you know, unfortunately, the way things work out sometimes, he had, you know, he applied for the world class athlete program and, and didn't get it. And so he, you know, happily served his five year commitment. But it's just funny to me that that um, that's kind of how it plays out when when he could be you know offering up so much as far as brand and exposure so all right awesome round us out yeah sure uh i should kind of preface this by saying i know i could pick noah's song every single week uh, <laughs> at least in the spring so i won't do that uh instead i'm gonna give it a shout out to uh brianna miller who or sorry brianna brianna miller who had a 5.96 meter long jump uh which is a school record now for navy and terms of the sweep for the Navy Army women's track and field meet we already talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, so that's almost six meters. It's the school record. She actually is, has the first and the third longest jumps in the history of the Naval Academy. And her jump this past weekend would have actually won her three of the last four Patriot League championships. And by the way, she's a plebe. So lots of excitement with her uh, in terms of what she has coming up for her. Really excited to see what she's going to do from this point forward, not only this year, but years to come. Awesome. Yeah. Way to give a shout out to the, to the track folks. Yes. You were all weren't here for our test episode, but, um, yes, Austin's going to probably have to at least mention Noah's song at least, uh, at least once per episode because he is flat out dominating, uh, as well for the Navy baseball team. So, um, Hey, thank you all for, well, thank you guys here for being here and, and doing this. Um, I really hope this turns into something worthwhile. I, we really do appreciate SB nation for kind of putting some, um, some, some of the push behind this and, and promoting it for us uh, and having that trust in us to, to put this out. Thank you to anybody that listens to episode one, because it's going to be like an hour and a half long uh, with the, with the interview. And so we, we completely understand if you just skip to the Billy Hurley part, listen to that interview and then, you know, don't worry about uh, our shout outs of the week, but no, really we do appreciate um, you kind of tuning in. We'll keep refining. We'll keep getting better. We'll keep trying to get awesome guests uh, and we'll keep trying to, to have good conversation. We'll keep trying to throw in um, some stories, some relevant, you know, military stuff that isn't just about sports and service academy athletics. Since we have three service academy graduates on the podcast, uh, and we'll keep trying to push the the service academy message uh, out there and, and get better at doing it as we go along. If there's anything you want to see uh, on the podcast, just hit us up, um, you know, over on, at Against All Enemies um, and reach out to us. And we'll uh, we'll try and you know expand our horizons and talk about as much good stuff as we can. Um, we do know that it's kind of a challenge because we are covering three schools, um, but but we are gonna gonna hopefully turn this into something um, that's not just enjoyable for us, but that hopefully the listeners appreciate and and get to get to hear you know a good mix of Army, Navy, and athletics coverage. So uh, until episode two, uh, thank every thank everybody. Congratulations to the Navy Midshipmen. Winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Air Force.